It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Six point five percent was it? Is is that what the current odds are of the Stanley Cup? Well, and you, if you look at the round by round progression, the Stanley Cup favorite is uh-huh. the Vancouver Canucks. Like what a time to be alive! I- Talking you through every goalie controversy, scoring slump, and draft lottery bust. This is the C Four Podcast on CanucksHockeyBlog.com. Here they are, the best starting lineup we could afford under the salary cap. Chris, Matt, Anna, and Adam. Welcome to another episode of the C4 Canucks Hockey Podcast, brought to you by the Full Press Coverage Network and CanucksHockeyBlog.com. I am Chris at Lightforce, joined virtually, not by Anna. Anna has left the country. She She is that livid with the performance of the Vancouver Canucks that she she had to go on like a two or three weeks sabbatical. Um, so I brought in probably one of the most positive voices in Canucks Twitter, not named Clay, uh, Clay Emo. Uh, we got Jay at Siren Song. You know, everyone loves Jay. I'm back. Not quite the notorious intro it was last time, but I'll take it. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm being somewhat facetious and all because, you know, <laughs> maybe you are more positive than Clay. Uh, I don't know about that. Seems pretty doubtful to me. <laughs> but uh, no, thanks for uh, for subbing in for Anna. I mean, she is out of the country. That's legit. Whether or not she's lived with the Vancouver Canucks, I do not know. We'll have to ask her upon her return. But uh, apparently one of her friends decided it was a good time to get married. And uh, yeah, she is, I think it's South uh, Africa, I think. Oh, that's a long. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 not like a couple hour flight. She she went for the the full yeah. meal deal there, and I, I'm trying to think. I don't know if I actually ever asked her how she would have got there, but like I would presume, um, I don't know. Is there any direct flights to like Johannesburg I out of Toronto? You have to go through Europe, I believe. I know my brother in law used to work on rigs there offshore for a while, mm-hmm. and he had to go through Europe to get there every time. Well, yeah, I mean, that would probably be most logical because I, I, I mean, I, there is a possibility that maybe there's a direct flight between you know somewhere along the eastern seaboard and, and Johannesburg. Like I, I can <clears> see <throat> that. I just don't feel Toronto yep. is significant enough. But then I, I don't know. Uh, we're don't we're know, small yeah. potatoes here in Canada and all that. 
but uh, but no, it's not a flight path podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the other thing I thought we could do is because the Vancouver Canucks performance has been so weak, is we could talk about that uh, college football game that just uh, wrapped up. Um, I don't know if you saw the score. I did not. Um, the TCU. Yeah. Game? Spoiler alert: TCU did not win. They oh. did get points on the board, though. What was the yeah, final? Sixty-five-seven. Jesus. <laughs> like uh, that's a. I had it. That's not in any sports. Sport. I had it on. Like it was more like background noise. And I think every time Georgia touched the ball, seven points just mm-hmm. got put on the board. Like it was like all they had to do is just touch the ball. There's seven, and then you know TCU. Didn't yep. get that same, you know. A lot of Seahawks fans pay attention to that with uh, Jalen Carter and the Canucks picking fifth overall. I know a lot of Hawks fans are yeah. big interest in Jalen Carter. Yeah. You know, how about that? So, Making the playoffs because the Detroit Lions play to win the game um, mm-hmm. and getting uh, Denver's uh, first round pick. I think the best part of that is seeing the Packers lose. Okay, I... I I have a familial connection to, you know, Packers. My wife's uh, family's from Wisconsin. And so I am, mm-hmm. um, out of the sake of my, you know, not my marriage, my wife could probably care less, but the sake of my, my relationship with in-laws, um, a casual follower, but I don't make it known that when it does come to the NFL, I do pay more attention to the Seahawks, uh, than, than really any other team. It's like Seahawks, Bengals, Packers. So, mm can't really ride the Seahawks and Packers bandwagon. It's no, a a, no. And I, and not, not a lot of love if, lost if, there. If required to choose, I would choose the Seahawks. I mean, so. Okay. All right. But uh, no, we can remain on the Seahawks bandwagon for now. <laughs> but uh, no, we are, we are here to talk about the Vancouver Canucks. Um, not, uh, yeah. you know, TCU getting smacked around by Georgia. Not the Seahawks making the postseason. Uh, not the state of Overwatch 2, which you and I could probably talk about uh just the same. No, we're here to talk about the yeah. Vancouver Canucks. Um, speaking of uh, phenomenal management through the uh, acquisition and deposition of players and picks, like the Seahawks have managed to do uh, this past season, uh, the Vancouver Canucks, not in the same boat, at least not yet. We're going to get into that uh, with you. We'll talk a little bit about the week that was, the week that's probably going to be. Uh, and uh, you had mentioned you wanted to talk a little bit about what might be going down there in, uh, in Absurd, up the valley. So we'll get into all of that and anything else we can think of in this show. But uh, first, uh, let's uh, look at the week it was. I'm thinking back to the last episode with Anna, and I had asked her, like, do you, do you see the Vancouver Canucks getting points in the next three games? And I had suggested it might be possible against the Isles, but I'm like, the way the Vancouver Canucks are, they're going to figure out how to beat a team that they shouldn't in the Colorado Avalanche. Um, watch them go and do something like that. And it's as if they listened to the show and decided, you know what? We like this Chris guy. Let's prove him right. Because, you know, what they did is they took a stinker sandwich and they made a tasty filling in the center. Is that is that is that, you know... An adequate, you know, yeah. explanation. Probably a horrible thought to be, you know, processing, but maybe there's a nice little, you know, butter on top of the outside of the first uh, part of the sandwich there with the first period against the Oh yeah, yeah, you know, like that toasted sort of. They're pretty solid in that. Yeah, 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 nice little. Exactly. 
nice little presentation on top there and then just completely off the rails after the first period in that one. And, uh, I mean, the Avs, they are just a good matchup for, I think, right? Like, we've seen, going back to last season stuff, that especially when the Avs are in full strength, they match up really well against them. Um, I think it has a lot to do with the Avs, like, getting to play a bit of a track meet style. Mm-hmm. And uh, Makar doing his wheeling and dealing, and that's kind of what we see out of the Canucks, but not nearly to that level, right? They're loosey-goosey, and they like to chase. And So, I mean, like... As much as you might want to point to the Avs game as a bright spot or anything, I think that has a lot to do with matchup and the Avs not being a full strength. And, and then the other two are what they are, right? I mean, that's just the story these days. Well, okay. I mean, looking at those two losses, which one hurts more? The loss against the Isles where they showed up for a 20-minute period and forgot that there were two more to go? Or... The game against the Jets, which honestly, it felt to me that they were in it, but really shouldn't be. I mean, it wasn't like I, I mean, mm-hmm. I wasn't in this state of mind where, oh, the Canucks, you know, if they get a lucky bounce here or there, they might, they might be able to squeak out mm-hmm. a, a, a tie, let alone a, or a, you know, loser point or a win. Like, where is the aisles? It was just once the second period started, yeah. it was game over. True, but I'm I kind of go into that Jets game expecting to lose on the heels of the high against the Avs and the Canucks. You know, history against the Jets recently is not a great one. It's a team they've struggled against mightily, and uh, I don't expect this team to put two good games together in a row. So the the Islanders game, you have the, at least you have the hope in the first period, and then kind of starts coming glued after that. So. For me, it was a bit more of a letdown there. I kind of expected a letdown after the Avs game. The Isles one, I was hoping for more after the way they came out, and then just the the dagger seeing Barzal and his fan his fan uh, club there going off on the Canucks. So it's uh, more of the same these days. A little bit of hope off the rails. Play a good game. A little bit more hope. Oh, next game completely off the rails again. So it's consistency seems like a word that. Uh, is correctly being thrown around a lot these days. Well, and I mean, we'll, we'll get into this in, in half full, half empty, but it drives home the point that the Vancouver Canucks in their current state are not good enough to make the playoffs, but they're equally not bad enough to like com- completely miss out. They are, mm-hmm. you know, we, we use this, this t- uh, term in esports about being the gatekeepers. The gatekeepers are the teams that are just like, they make the playoffs, they make the postseason. But that's it. Like they're they're not anything better. And the Vancouver Canucks seem to be the team that not so much gatekeeps. They're the team that just gets to the you know curb, so they can wave. <laughs> they're the team that gets kicked back down by the gatekeepers, right? Yeah. Like, but instead of being like you know not even you know arriving to your destination, mm-hmm. like the Vancouver Canucks, and that's I think the part that is most frustrating is that I could I could tolerate what we see if this team was a young team learning how to play this game where there was going to be painful moments. Like I, I, we, Anna and I talk about this almost week in and week out and we're not the only ones who who get into this, but a team like the Vancouver Canucks as they are currently constructed are not a team who should forget. There are two more periods of play should not break down 
completely against a team like the Winnipeg Jets um, and decide that systems are out of the, the window. Now, you could say, oh, that's the coaching. That's the issue. Well, great. Why is Bruce still behind the bench this season then? Because if it's a coaching issue, you would have made that change the offseason or early. No, I mean, there's it's just a, a reinforcement of everything that is wrong with the, the Canucks as an organization. And my, oh, my, I mean, there, there doesn't seem to be any out. But, hey, again, if this was a young team developing, there were going to be growing pains, I could I could live with it. Because you, ha- you have to. Yeah. I mean, it's part of the process of building up, right? You got to go through the growing pains to get there. But this team's not being run or managed or paid in a way that's about building towards something. It's about the right now. I mean, it's like going back to not well, to beat a dead horse, but the JT contract and everything it just doesn't jive with where the cycle, the point in the cycle that they're in, whether they like it or not. And they, to go back to the coaching thing, I mean, if it was a coaching thing, didn't we have that conversation last year? And that's why Bruce is here in the first place? Well, so to me, the coaching thing just isn't relevant anymore when you're talking about the long term. No, no, I'm, I'm not. Like, like where you should go for it with it, this. It, that was more in response because there are those who like, oh, it's it's a coaching issue. Like, look, um, yeah, you sure. know, Jim came out so and said they had a horrible camp. And who's that on? Yeah, you know what? I don't I won't disagree. The coach might be responsible yep. for that. But the coach is also not the guy who's bringing in the players that, uh, you know, this roster yeah. is being built with and and ultimately has to work with what they are given. Like, I, you know, Travis Green, you and I talked about this when you joined last and how, you know, what did Green do with the roster that he was provided? The Honestly, the best that he could. It's just that that wasn't anywhere near good enough. And change needed to occur. I think it's more of the same what we're seeing now with Bruce, right? I mean, I don't think, like, I mean, there's certainly flaws to Bruce's game. And as I'm sure there are with Travis's and lots of coaches and stuff like that. But, I mean, Bruce is a guy in the regular season through his career. He's got one of the best winning percentages of all time in the regular season, right? He gets the most out of what he has in front of him with a, a roster, at least in the regular season. So, yeah. I mean, there are definitely flaws that coaching can help and things like that with this team. But, I mean, we're at major roster surgery point years ago at this point, I feel like. Well, it, it's major rosters surgery years ago is probably the the truth of of anything in front of us yeah. like you know we we had um uh oh gosh i'm completely forgetting his name frank frank Corrado. sorry if anna was here she would have like yep. oh yeah this is what frankie said but <laughs> that should be all over yeah that. but when frank had joined us and i had asked like you know what should have occurred and i mean he was straight up like oh you know connect sounds are smart you give them a plan. You say it's going to take two or three years and Hey, there will be pain. They'll be like, you know what? We're going to hold you to that. And mm-hmm. they'll accept the pain. Now, if you expedite the thing and you change the plan, they hold you that too, which is why, you know, in the context of the previous regime, when it's like, Oh, today, today, we're just two years away. We're just two years away. No, no, you, you can't continue to, to go back and, and revisit. Where am I going with this? Well, we went through how many years of pain with no rebuild. And now we're, as a fan base, not able to tolerate the pain of a rebuild. Like, I admit, I'll be upset if the Vancouver Canucks continue to be as mediocre as they have been for the coming seasons. But if it's mm-hmm. mediocrity because they are, you know, hard-pressed against a cap with bad roster decision after roster decision. 
that, you know, I don't know if you saw on Twitter tonight, uh, Rafi, who Rafi gets upset. Like when people are negative about the Canucks, he actually said, I'm not going to watch the Canucks for the, in the first period. Um, and if, you know, they don't turn things around. It might not be the first period and second period. Like this is a positive guy <laughs> who's like piecing out on the team. We're yeah. talking about Rafi. Yeah, yeah. No, it's. I mean, it's dark days. We're going as decorated. We're going basically through Bo Horvat's entire life cycle as a Canuck, and we're here at the point where we're look, talking seriously talking about moving on from him without any, you know, actual real level of success during. You know, a trade was supposed to be something that kind of gave them a future piece and reset things a little bit, had something to help build the next generation of success with. And I mean, they've brought in some nice pieces since then, but we're here at, you know, what Bo's 28 now heading to unrestricted free agency. And we're going to watch his entire career go by with what two rounds of playoff hockey. Yeah. Which is just, and with uh, love or hate him or whatever, it's kind of just the timeline, oh. right? It's kind of wild to think that like where they were and where they've got to during the entire like tenure of him as a Canuck. Well, and that's the thing that's unbelievable is that this team has been a quote unquote playoff team, real exciting team to watch as it's been sold to us the entire time he's been here. Like mm-hmm. if this was a, he could just horrible timing gets in when they, the window was closing and oh yeah, boom, there's probably yeah. going to be equally um, as many years missed but we're now talking about a far different team. You know, look at the avalanche yep. timeline wise, right? Like it's yep. not to suggest I mean, the blueprint Vancouver there. who could have, could have done all of that. I don't, I don't believe the previous regime had the capability, but at least if they had just gone and blown it up, they would have probably yep. found more gems in the draft. Like, you know, there were things that they could, lottery tickets, they right? could do well that, yeah, you know, they would have stumbled into success. And this is where I feel like the stumbling was happening. It's just, they had all of these anchors attached and now you have this, you know, new management group who maybe they can stumble into success, but they're stumbling the wrong direction too frequently in the very short, you know, sample size that we have, um, you know, bringing it back to like, you know, the way the Vancouver Canucks are playing, they are on the road now, a nice lengthy road trip because, uh, Hey, uh, what better way to, to fix your issues, but to head out to, to the Eastern side of the continent. <laughs> to murderers row out there. And, you know, if you, if you look at their, their opponents, so they've, they've lost to Winnipeg. Um, they go and they play Pittsburgh, who, as of recording, uh, are 590. Tampa Bay, who are 645. Florida, who is the weakest of the bunch at 488, uh, who has actually got a better record than the Vancouver Canucks have. Um, and then you have Carolina, who is at uh, 713. Uh, Carolina being a team that is uh, pretty darn hot. I look at this road trip as being quite unforgiving. Like Tampa, this is the game that the Vancouver Canucks somehow figure out how to win, which I could not explain to you why that might be. I don't feel they match up whatsoever, but this is what Vancouver does. Um, but I, yep. I don't see them beating Pittsburgh. Um, I don't see them beating Florida. And then the Carolina game, not only is Carolina good, it's an early start on the second of a back to back. So they're in Florida mm-hmm. and then off to Carolina the following day. So, like there's too many things playing against the Vancouver Canucks to even give me any consideration that there's points there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's pretty bleak. I think 
maybe the Florida one is the game you look at with, you know, maybe you get, is Bob playing right now? I think he is. I don't know. Him and Knight are alternating, right? If you get Bob in that game, maybe, you know, there's there's some hope. Spencer Knight, maybe a little bit less. But, I mean, it's a pretty rough road trip. But, you know, this team's going to do their Canucks thing, probably. And they're going to win enough that the losing won't actually help anything. They'll win just enough for the losing to, you know, not be helpful in terms of a dart goal. And uh, I fully expect them to come back with a decent but not good enough amount of points off the trip. So three points. And just keep repeating the cycle. So they'll get they'll get like three or four points out of a possible eight. Yeah, on, on those games. You, I mean, actually, if we include the yeah. Winnipeg game, which is part of this road trip, arguably yeah. there there are ten points to be had, and I think three or four is what the Canucks do. Three or four, yeah, that'd be fully expected by me. You know, maybe you get an overtime game out of Tampa or Pittsburgh and pick up you know a win against Florida, and then get caved in after you're coming off a high of a win and by Carolina. That's just what they do, right? It's... And, you know, it, <laughs> you know, there are those of you listening are like, why are you so down? Why are you so negative? Is there not a glimmer of positivity? There is. And this is, you know, we'll get into a little bit in, in half a life. And was talk about sort of players and movement and what have you, but, you know, we're seeing positivity out of the production that we're getting out of Bo Horvat this season. Like we're getting playoff bow during the regular season. Um, but it's not going to matter when he's not a Vancouver Canuck because Manko, what a phenomenal find. And I think the Vancouver Canucks were smart in signing him to the contract that they did. Problem. Can't afford him. It'll be great to see him potentially perform this way or not in another jersey next season. Like it, it's, you know, oh, well, maybe Besser's starting to refine his game. Well, this is a player who's not going to be in Vancouver. Like I think it's quite clear that, you know, at least at the, I don't know so much about management. But from what I understand, I mean, he's definitely not one of, you know, Bruce's favorites. And it doesn't sound like yep. management's entirely high on Messer. Um, he's not a Rutherford-style player, right? Like, they're historically going back to Pittsburgh and Carolina and stuff. Rutherford's, uh, you know, cheap speed on the wings. Mm-hmm. Build down the middle. You know, wingers are kind of not the priority for the most part, and they... I mean, they love speed, right? The, all those guys you think they find in Pittsburgh, the Russ, the Sherry's, the Tyler Kennedy's and all that stuff, they find cheap wingers with wheels and Brock doesn't really fit that mold. So if he's not lighting the lamp, I mean, someone's got to give at some yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and like whether, you know, they're going to rebuild or not, someone's got to give money wise at some point too for somewhere, right? Just to, whether it's, you know, tear it down and build it back up or it's keep pushing forward. Like something's got to happen cap wise this summer to really make anything happen in either direction. Like the NHL finds a few extra billion dollars, just kicking, kicking around <laughs> in a yeah. forgotten bank account or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, you know, and sort of the other point of, I was trying to, to stress is these, these points, these three or four points out of a possible 10 is, well, yes, that's not good. It's not bad enough to catch up to the yep. likes of San Jose, um, uh, St. Louis. Uh, you know, yep. I was actually, I hadn't really looked at the standings sort of at the bottom. Like I was looking more division because the Vancouver Canucks, I think the, the other parts, they're, they, they're within a, you know, distance 
of that last wild card spot in 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 the West? No, they're not. Well, there's way too many teams. Okay, in between. no, but like you know how Vancouver figures out this string together this stupid run at the most inopportune time, like just before the trading deadline or something like that. This happens. Mm-hmm. Like clockwork, right? So that that type of run is what then gets them there, right? So this is where I don't feel the gap is f- big enough at this point for that run not to make things matter. But if you look at the actual league standings, I mean, and this is the thing is I, you know, I look more at the division, I look at the conference, I have not really looked at the league. I was not aware mm-hmm. as to the true number of how bad the bottom. Yeah. Like the true number of teams between Vancouver. Like I knew like, Oh, okay. There's San Jose and mm-hmm. Chicago. Oh yeah. Like Anaheim, they're not doing so hot, but you've got, you got Montreal who's having a, a struggle. Um, I'm not going to suggest yep. Montreal's playing for Bedard, but I don't think the organization would be extremely unhappy if Bedard were a possibility. Um, I mean, San Jose seems to be playing that game, Arizona. I mean, They've been playing the long game forever. Um, yep. Anaheim, like Columbus is down there. I mean, sh- at this point. Ugh, Anaheim's just a, oh, can, that's a whole other. Can anyone catch up to Chicago? Oh, man. Can you imagine if he ends up there? we got to deal with watching Connor Bedard in a Hawks jersey. Yeah. And I, 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 someone might so, say, well, Chris, St. Louis isn't doing that horribly. Well, they, they're, they're. I think they're starting to try and push that direction. Yeah, I mean, like if you you look at sort of the goal yep. differential, um, you know, while St. Louis is, you know, above, let's say, a Buffalo Sabres team slightly, um, Buffalo has very positive goal differential for where they are in the standings. They're plus 18. That's not a that's not a horrible team. That's a, that's a team that's big than gatekeeping. St. Louis, their dash 16 goal differential, like they've they're probably more frustrating then Vancouver happens to be at getting these, these additional points. But again, they aren't, um, you know, trending so hot. So again, it's just so many teams at play. And if there was ever a, you know, conversation to be had about, well, who, you know, who's a stud? Who's a real stud? Like, was this guard guy a real stud? If they'd happen to catch any moment that Team Canada played in the World Junior Tournament, and if yep. you just happen to watch his, you know, post game interview on the ice, when it's like, no, it's not about me. It's about this team. I'm not talking about me. We're going to talk. It's like, holy smokes, this kid, he's saying all the right things. He doesn't need this PR training. He like. Yeah. The next Connor. Oh man. And it, I mean, I've, I've come, I, I said this last week, I have come to the understanding that there is absolutely no way that Connor Bedard is a Vancouver Canuck. The Canucks aren't going to win a no. draft lottery if they had a position to do Never so. Um, if the Vancouver, the only way the Vancouver Canucks could arguably get first overall is that they finish the absolute worst. And even then I'm still not confident because the lottery lottery has never played in the Canucks favor, but at least, well, even now with the, the new rules, if you finish dead last, you most likely pick as third. Yeah. So it's, you have a fifty percent shot at third overall. No, but like you know what I mean. Like it's just that that serves to 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 play against them. Yeah, but at yeah. least the For sure. odds are like okay. The percentage says you do have the best odds. Yeah. Right. I don't know. You know, not to be accused of being positive or anything. The bigger thing, everyone looks at Bedard, but when you want to, the real reason you want to get to the bottom of the standings is to guarantee that you pick third. Right. It's that you don't, you can't fall yeah. more than two, especially in the new rules. Right. So. But I mean, either way, never going to happen on either front. 
nothing that good could happen to the Canucks. No, never. Yeah. Uh, anywho, uh, enough of this. We've been negative. Let's get positive <laughs> by going on half full, half empty. Mm-hmm. You're listening to the C4 Canucks Hockey Podcast, brought to you by the Full Press Coverage Network and CanucksHockeyBlog.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Take hitting out of the game. You can't hit anymore, so don't do it. The unsportsmanlike conduct, I want to get an explanation on. No kidding. Because how do you get suspended for unsportsmanlike conduct? Plus interference. There's no interference there. He had the puck. Now, Madison never, ever did that before. Now, why did he do it? And that, because he was mad. Well, your early favorite for the Calder <laughs> Trophy, that's for sure. Elias Patterson. you might even say your early favorite for the Hart Trophy. <laughs> Just to get back to your question, Elias is going to play plenty. He can play. He's going to get a lot of power play time. And, yeah, I'm concerned about our offense. We lost 200-point players, and we've got to find a way to score. I actually wanted to kick things off by talking about one of the you know positive moments that we're seeing in Vancouver, and it's the performance of a player like Bo Horvat. Um, Pat Morris happens to be in town, um, and the scuttlebutt is is that the Vancouver Canucks might present uh, another offer to Pat and his his client uh, in an effort to to get him to stay here in Vancouver. But what's also continuing to come out is that the Vancouver Canucks did provide or present a an extension to Bo that was like not much more than what he was making previously. This is again being prior to the start of the season, but also reinforcing that you're not that good. This is why we paid a guy like JT Miller. Like the you you have flaws. And Bo Horvat and his agent, like, why? Like, there's no incentive for us. We disagree with this wholeheartedly. And then what does Bo go and start to do in a contract year? Light him up. Yep. Now, the problem that the Vancouver Canucks face is that financially, I don't feel that they can present an offer that comes anywhere close to what Bo Horvat's going to get on the market. So that means they need to lean heavily on term or bonuses, like outright money you get regardless, which, you know, we've talked about on this podcast many a times is horrible for the team in the long term. Uh, or yeah, two, or, those buyout-proof contracts. or three, he just loves Vancouver so much and he's buying into the system. Well, to go in the reverse, arguably he's had to captain a team that has had some dysfunction in the dressing room. That, okay, people are like, you're not in the locker room. I'm so sorry, but there are far too many people talking about the problems in the locker room who are close enough to that dressing room that they could outright hear what's probably going on in the dressing room through the door. So is that is that something you want to continue to 
be the captain of. Two, um, where, where, where are the positives here? Where's the upside to this team? Are they that like we talked about them being, you know, the team kicking, getting themselves kicked to the curb by the gatekeepers. Their best upside is a gatekeeping team. His career yeah. is reaching the point where if he wants to actually have a competitive shot at winning the cup, I don't think it's in Vancouver. No, I mean, you're pushing 30 in a couple of years for Bo, right? It's, you know, now's the, the prime of his career, clearly with the way he's playing this year. But, um, you know, I think they've kind of overplayed their hand on their two biggest assets now, right? Like last year, I think with the JT stuff, they pretty clearly overplayed their hand on what they could do trade-wise with them and got backed into a bit of a corner in August and ended up, you know, taking their ball and going home with it, with the extension. And then this, I think, I really think that they thought Bo would be signed by now. Like, I think that there was, oh, he wants to be here, you know, like we can, his number's not going to be that crazy. Let's get JT locked up. He's got the big point total and stuff. It's more going to be more money, this and that. Maybe he's, you know, American guy, be more interested, not the captain, more interested in, you know, getting out. I think they were banking on Bo wanting to be here and taking a discount. And it sure as hell hasn't played out that way. Well, you know, and the, the first point that I had raised was Bo is going to get paid on the market. Anyone who seems mm-hmm. to think he won't is delusional. You have a, a yeah. center reliable in the circle and he's putting up numbers that are just outright stupid and not sustainable this season. Now you might say that that should play against him. Well, that's not how the world of the NHL works. Uh, it's a, what have you done for me in the last season kind of league? And you know, there will be teams who will call and say, Hey, here's the money. We'd like to give it to you. Um, they might even make moves to make that happen. I think what's also important is knowing that they have to simply look at what Vancouver can offer offer just a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I mean, more than a little bit more, but you know, one of the things that came out today is that, yeah, the Vancouver Canucks are getting lots of phone calls for Bo Horvat and there might be a deal to be had in the coming weeks. If the Canucks are willing to retain, why is it that you have to retain to get Bo off your roster somewhere else? It's because teams know that the Vancouver Canucks don't have much leverage here. They, they are almost desperate. And retaining opens up, you know, more destinations True. and stuff to maximize the. I'm perfectly on board with them retaining. Mean, maybe ownership won't be, but I'd be perfectly fine with them retaining. You know, the cap for the rest of the season, whatever it is, two point something million on your books isn't going to be relevant. You're past the trade deadline, anyways, and stuff. If you can juice the return a bit by retaining to a team that's pressed right up against the cap, I'm all about that. Um, like you said, he's going to get paid no matter where he goes. I think the number is undoubtedly going to be bigger than JT's now with the way things have gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw this summer that the winger market has cratered, and that's because the center market has skyrocketed, along with, you know, right-hand defensemen as usual and stuff. And the the priority um, of centermen lately is massive. And, like, how many guys like Bo of that pedigree and caliber and current performance ever become available? Well, they generally and, don't. And, right? you know, if you if you think about the centers that the Vancouver Canucks currently possess, they signed a player who is not a center. Who has not had his best performance as a center, who I think if he were to hit the market this this season, this offseason, as he should have, doesn't get the money the Canucks gave him. I mean, off this season? No, I don't think so. At his age, 30-year-old. I mean, maybe he gets the money, but I don't think he gets the term. Okay. 
maybe it's eight times five. Yeah. Okay. I mean, like that, that, right? like, and that's sort of what, like, I mean, I was thinking in the, the frame, the total, the total, total yeah, amount. Yeah. Cause like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel Bo Horvat gets paid for teams that can't compete with the dollar yep. per season. I bet you the look at tur like there are, there are things that teams are going to become creative about because what Bo Horvat is going to provide you and you can subtract the performance that he's had this season. If there's one thing that you know about Bo Horvat is he is reliable. He is defensively responsible. He will win you those face-offs. You can put him out on the ice at any point in the game. You can have him on the power play if you need him. You can put him on the penalty kill. You have him in high-pressure situations. Like these types of players who also, I mean, was Bo lighting up the, the net in seasons past? Not really, but he was providing you far better production and that package is a desirable one to have. Now, if he were to continue Absolutely. what he's doing this season, seasons onward, my goodness. But and JT, like yeah. what you get with JT, and this was like the book had been written. Yeah. The guy's exciting. There's baggage. You know, how much of this baggage are you willing to deal with? And in Vancouver's case, yeah. they're like, yeah, we, we, we know. Good. We're okay with all these issues. Yeah, well, it's something I think we talked about last time I was on, too. I mean, the JT horse has been beaten dead for a long time. But, I mean, you got all that baggage, as you are saying, with JT. And, like, prioritizing a winger over a center. I think that's, I mean, along with the baggage, I think a lot of the reason that the interest was soft in the offseason was the fact that teams don't view him as a center outside the way the Canucks did last year, right? Like if he's a surefire center and he has a hundred point season with a year left at 5 million, like I think a big, big part of why the interest is soft is that he's like, people just don't buy him as a center. Well, he, and Bo is, I mean, it's honest to goodness. Is, J, is JT career? Miller a center? Like based on what we've seen? No, no, he's played. He's a defensive at center. He's a defensive liability, like a big one on the wing. Like he's not, you know, going to win a Selkie or anything, but he's not an issue defensively on the wing, really. When he's the bigger issue is the effort level and the quitting on the wing, right? Like, and which that happens everywhere yeah. with JT, right? But in terms of actual, like, you know, metrics and underlying stuff like that, he's not an issue defensively when he plays wing. Yeah. The, you know, talking about sort of Miller as a center, you know, the Vancouver Canucks have, uh, you know, another center on their roster in, in uh, Pedersen. And let's say in a world that does not have Bo Horvat in a Vancouver Canucks uniform, your top two centers are now arguably JT Miller and Elias Pettersson. Now, one might suggest, okay, yeah, you can slap a couple of wingers on, on JT's uh, line and that can be responsible and, and, and what have you. Um, that can maybe, you know, plug those holes up. Okay, cool. But What's interesting to know is that JT Miller's performance this season, and to some respect, PD, who's been consistent, they, you know, hasn't been all that good. And while, you know, people have been asking and just, you know, demanding, like, why don't you put Miller and, and PD together? There was, there was, you know, signs that this did work in the past. You've got Miller on the wing, you got PD in the middle. Why don't we give that a shot? Well, you know, Drancer today on, on Canucks talk had, you know, said, you know, just ask the hypothetical question. Are there non-hockey reasons for why it took so long for Pedersen and Miller to be reunited? So if let's say there are non-hockey reasons, hypothetically, People are saying the quiet part out loud, right? Like 
So your your future is now built on two players who struggle to play with, you know, each other's game and and have to be kept separate and by necessity have to keep them separate, but they don't perform at the same level. Or and I don't mean to knock Petey here. I think yeah. Petey has shown he can, but Miller has shown not so much. Yeah. It it is scary. No, absolutely. I mean, and it's makes like they haven't I want to say they haven't played at all together under Boudreaux until just like now being put back together I think when Travis split them up last year when they were you know in the depths of the depths and PD wasn't playing well and all that was the last time they played together before this run that Boudreaux's put them together for and you know with the success the lotto line has had in the past and stuff it doesn't and the way things have gone and the things you hear it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out you know hey your two best players who have had incredible success together in the past all of a sudden cannot play together? Why? I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that there's something going on there right? yeah. that isn't on ice related. Because on ice, it's been, I mean, whenever they've been together, I mean, a lot of lines one of the most dominant lines in the league when they were together, right? And then all of a sudden, it's just not an option anymore. Yeah. Hockey decisions. Yeah, clearly. Hockey decisions. Clearly hockey-related stuff. Yeah. Not too pretty intense guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, moving on from, from what we sort of touched on this in Rewind, but, uh, you know, I was awfulizing quite a bit saying, oh, Kuzmenko, I really liked um Like, there's, there's so much to like about Kuzmenko. His game, the excitement that he brings, like, yeah, he's maybe still somewhat unpolished, but the potential that exists there to, to, you know, get him in a, a, a solid, you know, culture, um, some structure. There's, there's just, there's some untapped potential. I think the Vancouver Canucks to take advantage of. Um, the kid just seems to be enjoying it, living life, having fun in a arguably not a, good season so i mean attitude wise that seems to be really good there's there's no complaints um and i had commented like it's gonna suck to see him in another jersey because like you know he's gonna get paid and the vancouver canucks are not in a position where they'll be able to necessarily afford him i mean i say that loosely because there will be money technically will be there right it's just is you, you when you start tying the money up on a Kuzmenko without plugging the holes you quite literally have elsewhere that mm-hmm. unfortunately are I feel a higher priority. You're you're. I mean, you look at the amount of money they have up tied in wingers already, right? Like yeah, which is a market that has completely created. I mean, we saw Max Max Pacioretty move for literally nothing with a sweetener to get him out of Vegas. Yeah. So, I'm Max Patch Max Yeah, right? so, so guys like that going for literally nothing. And you had messaged me, hey, um, I'm going to say this on the podcast, but uh, I'd trade him. What? I mean, and I'm a fan. Like, I loved watching Kuz this year. He's uh, He's been a treat, and the chemistry with PD's great, the attitude's great. But you look at the timeline for the team, right? I mean, he's 27 this summer. So. Are you winning anything in the next three years before he hits 30? Are you committing to someone beyond the age of 30, hoping that their game doesn't fall off? Who gets to answer this question of are we winning anything in the next three years? Does ownership get to answer this question? (laughs) Does management get to answer this question? Realistically? Realists get to answer the question. (laughs) I mean, you're, it sucks because like, obviously he's great. And like, I think honestly, like 
you're just not in a position to take advantage of his prime years at this point. And I mean, like I said, like we're years overdue for major roster surgery. Right. So you got a guy pointing up almost a point per game heading to unrestricted free agency. You already have that kind of money tied up in your wingers as uncomfortable as it is. And a team that's super asset needy, right? Mm -hmm. Like it just, I mean, it's a tough decision because he's great. But is it really that tough a decision if you're committed to doing things the right way and building towards a goal and winning it all one yeah. day? It shouldn't be. Well, I, but we've seen for this ownership group, it's not that easy. Yeah, and complete transparency. I had actually agreed with you when you had messaged me this. I'm like, oh, yeah, I would trade him. And you know why yeah. I would is that I would rather the Vancouver Canucks get some value out of players that they won't be able to retain the no value at all. I mean, I, I would be remiss not to point out that I have been – upset at you know unrestricted free agents being kept at the deadline simply because the yep. right deal wasn't there only to then see them walk i get that you don't just go and give away the farm because my you know doesn't do any service to you as an organization for that next opportunity but there are deals mm -hmm. and just because they're not the price that you want doesn't necessarily mean it's not what the market is willing to pay and yeah. with a Kuzmenko, like, you know, I feel like that's a second round pick potentially from, from the right team. Um, there might be a team close. Yeah. Right. Like there might be a team that might say, Hey, I, I've got a, a first rounder here just to pick. I mean, that, these are things that Vancouver, yeah. I feel can either do more with or potentially weapon those themselves. Um, maybe he is you know, someone you can dish off for a later round pick, but Hey, we've got another player. We'd like you to maybe kick the tires on and you've got space, right? Like I feel he, he yeah. is, he is sweet enough as an opportunity that there might be some, some flexibility or in turn as part of a broader package. But I, I ask you yeah. this, who on this roster would you say are the untouchables? Um, I'll preface it with no one's untouchable. I mean, there's a price for Elias. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I, for me. yeah, if Gretzky can get traded, I mean, anyone can, yeah. but for sure, I mean, there's, there's a price, the, you know, that, you know, we would, we as fans, I think would accept yeah. and the price that is actually going to get offered. I mean, to me, it's, it's two names. I mean, pretty obvious ones. I would think it's Pedersen and Hughes. Although I do think there's a world where Hughes could make sense. Okay. As much as I adore him, but so I mean, I have to ask the fantasy land stuff with the Devils, obviously. Right? No, like everyone talks. But about. like, if if Hughes goes, the Canucks have problems on their blue line with Hughes in the lineup. Yeah. So, what is this world you envision? that the Vancouver Canucks could reside in where Hughes isn't on that roster. Is that is because that's because that's the price of disposing of OEL's contract, which I mean, doesn't help like there. Uh, I'm not thinking in terms, I'm not even attaching anything to like something like OEL to the idea of it. I just think that they're like, I mean, and it's crazy to say, cause like he's, in my opinion, the best defenseman the franchise has ever said, but I don't think you quite hit that completely untouchable level with them. 
Well, I don't like, but just like I, I'm not, I'm not <sighs> against the premise, but mm-hmm. with like of all the problems that the Vancouver Canucks are are, are faced with. I would actually rate Hughes as more untouchable than Petey. To me, the like, because I mean, I've been a Petey fanboy since. Oh, I'm, I'm, Hughes I'm not knocking Petey. Like, and, he's untouchable in my books, too. Yeah, no, but. no, I get that. But to me, like, oh, to me, hockey just revolves around the franchise center. Like, you don't win with that one. Like, you just don't. And I mean, I guess you could say that. For about the franchise defenseman too, but I feel like you see blue lines with a lot more patchwork groups than you do first lines, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the Penguins had Latang when they won, so sure. I mean, there's your proxy for that, but the rest of that group's not all that wildly impressive. Um, Tampa is clearly just—I mean, their blue line stacked, so that doesn't help my argument at all. Um, and to be clear, like I'm not saying like. You move Hughes for the sake of it. No, the uh, price but is right. Just to go down the fantasy EA Sports La La Land, you got the two Hughes brothers sitting in New Jersey. They have a pretty special right-handed defenseman prospect that we saw play real well against Canada at the World Juniors, and Simon Nemich. I mean, I'm not completely against the possibility of it as much as I do love Hughes in his game and stuff. There's, you know, and like cap space too, right? Like that in all these trades and stuff. Like if you want to open up space, get a monstrous return, reset your timeline a bit. Yeah. I mean, see this thing, like to me, a trade of Hughes or a trade of Petey is a, I'm pushing the red button and everything is for sale and it's going whether, you know, like, okay. Like I, I I can, I can accept that as painful as it might be, but I want to go off the rails just a moment when we talk about sort of like the crazy, crazy deal. Did you happen to catch the, uh, the trade in the dub? Uh, between uh, the, Cam- uh, yeah, the Kamloops and Everett. Yep. I saw someone comment. A lot of pieces. I saw someone comment <laughs> on Twitter. It's like, this trade is the type of trade that you would see in EA that someone is always trying to yep. pull off and eventually they do. And if, if you as a listener don't know about <laughs> this deal. Um, so the Everett Silver Tips, um, a, a junior A team in WHL, uh, sent uh, two Kamloops, two players, a defenseman, Olin Zellweger, and a forward, Ryan Hover. Now, in return, Everett is getting <clears throat> four players, forward Drew Englund, defenseman Caden Hamill, defenseman Ryland Pierce, a forward Jack, uh, I think it's Bacher. Um, Englund, he's an 0-2 birthday. He's the oldest group. That was more of a, I think a, we need a player to, to actually play. Um, rest are younger prospects. Um, but they also got a, couple of picks they put it mildly <laughs> they in in this upcoming draft Kamloops has sent to Everett their first round pick their second round pick and their fourth round pick next year they're sending their first round pick their fifth round pick in 25 they're sending their first round pick and their third round pick and in 26 they're sending their first round a second round that is conditional <laughs> and a sixth round pick um I don't know what the condition is but let's be honest when you're you don't make the deal without that. When you're sending ten picks and four players to a team for two, mm-hmm. if if you're like in like the Vancouver Canucks example to pull it back on the rails here, imagine if the defenseman here was Hughes and the forward was Petey. Yeah. That's the haul. I mean, yeah. right? Like, 
mean, there's there's no way you would settle for anything less. Yeah, no, those those CHL trades are wild, right? I mean, it's and it's weird because, like, I mean, Hofer is an overager, right? He's twenty, and so he's not even going to be in the league next year. Yeah, it's, I mean, Zellweger, either, actually, Zellweger will be in the NHL next year. Owen Zellweger probably should be in the NHL this year. The Ducks just he would hurt their chances of tanking. Right? Well, no, so, no, no, no team has that. <laughs> but it's yeah, the CHL trades are just something else. Yeah. Like those, there's a couple guys give us thirty draft picks, please. Yeah, and you know it, the draft in the in the CHL is nothing like the draft in the NHL. I mean, the, the parameters yeah. are significantly you only different. Have a couple years control, right? right? Like it's, it's it, a whole different ballgame. You know, generally teams, while they do well out of the draft, they don't build themselves you know, completely with the, yeah. with the draft. Whereas in the NHL, well, you, yeah, I can't build a team with the draft. The draft is still very important when you are not in your wide open window, or maybe you are a team who is in the wide open window and is still able to go and draft, which those are the scary ones. Um, mm-hmm. The other, you know, point that gets raised is the Vancouver Canucks have sort of proven that their goaltending situation maybe isn't as sound as they had hoped. Um, I mean, Spencer Martin and Colin Delia have not performed maybe as well as people would have hoped they would have, uh, in the absence of Thatcher Demko, who is clearly not right this season prior to getting hurt. Yeah. I think a lot of people actually just completely missed the fact that Demko had surgery in the offseason. Well, I have to ask you this question because, you know, it's not been clear as to what the surgery happened to be for. Yep. Nor was he fully recovered. He was fully healed, or like the the verbiage has yep. been. It's an interesting way to approach it. Yeah, like it's. Um, I mean, it was I? If I was a betting man, I'd put money on it. Was something between the knee and the hip, like based on the way it's been talked but about. But as, as the and, team, I mean, goalie, so why are you? Why would you sit on this? Yeah, I mean, this is just more of the NHL moving towards the, uh, we don't have to tell you by rule about injuries, we're not telling you. I know, but still, like, you know, it, 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 you're getting to the but realm of, you know, uh, AV saying it was a body injury, right? Yeah. Like, it, it, it's it's almost too far to that extreme. Like, mm-hmm. you know, goaltenders well, especially hip you know, during the struggles. Yeah, during the struggles, they would have, you know, pointed it as an excuse, at least, you know, something to buy a little bit of air in the room, talking about Demko's play and stuff, that he's coming off surgery, we're working back to, you know, 100%, like he's fully healed, but there's some things that take time to work through, and, you know, he's our franchise guy, we're committed to him, blah, 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 but it's just been oddly quiet in the front. I honestly think a lot of people don't know he had surgery in the offseason. Well, like, but I think that feeds into the fact that they were so yeah. obtuse about it. And, mm-hmm. you know, when it started to sort of come to light, they were still very obtuse. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, he you know, Woodley's Kevin Woodley's provided a lot more information than the team has about it. Yeah. Right? Mm. Well, and even then, it's I think to that Woodley has said it's not the hip again that like he had issues with in college and stuff. Right. It's a different thing than that. And I believe, you know, I've heard him talk about it being something that isn't workload or like recurring related is just something that happens yeah. and you know so he has kind of played it down a bit but clearly there's 
you know, well, it, I, given his play this year, something's not right with him. Exactly. So. Now, you know, presuming he now gets the time to get right, because I, I don't feel that, like, yeah, he's back on skates now. I don't know if he's actually even thrown on the pads. He's with the team, but I don't think he has pads no. on yet. Um, if he was, it was going to be like this week he was putting pads on. And also, I don't think this injury has to do with that surgery. Like, oh, no, I think this injury you clearly saw. Yeah. I mean, I... Yeah, like, but I don't think it was like that was where the injury was and he, you know, in that moment hurt the same thing again or whatever. Yeah, no, it was, it was a different injury. But I, I Like, I would ask, yeah. like, is it possible that whatever he is had been dealing with contributed? Like, I... I mean, I the only yeah, personal experience type of thing, I can talk to is like I broke my ankle, and um, after that, I used to wear like a, a canvas brace on my ankle to provide that additional support. So when I blew out my knee, what the orthopedic surgeon actually felt may have occurred is that stress that should have gone into my ankle had nowhere to go, and it went up to the next available joint, and then. Yeah. My knee was just not going to be able to handle all of that. Now, the way he looked at it, he's like, so your knee went instead of maybe your ankle going one way or the other problems. Um, I wonder if maybe, you know, whatever had been dealt with contributes, whether, you know, whether it be a brace, whether what happened. Cause like I, when you yeah. see his injury, like I remember saw him like, oh, it, it's a ligament. Like I thought right away, that's a ligament. The yeah. way it happened, it was just so innocuous, but oh my goodness, he's done. And again, I wouldn't be in a rush to bring him back. I know the Vancouver Canucks would never slow him down, especially with, yeah. But do you think they would? No. I mean, this is is a team who was dealing with Brock Besser having a wound continuing to reopen. Yeah. And a combination of maybe not player taking responsibility of his own self and to the culture of the sport in getting it back on the ice. Like oh, yeah. there are problems. I mean, they're, you got to wrestle them off the ice, right? Like if they have any ability to get out on the ice, these guys are going to take it. They're competitive guys yeah, who uh, push themselves and, and the team's happy to let them do it. In a lot of that, right. They enable yeah. a lot of behavior. It's just, that's an issue just across sports. Right? That's a bigger, bigger conversation. But, but this, this season as it is. Yeah. Why? Yeah, I mean, and like back to the bow thing and stuff. Like the best thing, if like for the best thing long term for the franchise, get ahead of all of it and get as bad as you can, as fast as you can. Right? Yeah. Trade bow, trade Kuzmenko, shut them, go down. But I mean, that's just not going to happen with this organization. We know no. that. What's going on uh, in the Fraser Valley? Normally, Anna's here to lately, talk about right? it, but uh, I, I don't follow the the baby Canucks. I only sort of comment about them. Um, as being, you yeah. know, a team that exists. Yeah, no, I mean, Klimovich is the big story these days, right? He's 15 points in his last 17 games after being healthy, sat scratched a few times this year and dating back to last year, sitting in the box, uh, the press box a lot under uh, Trent Call. Um, yeah, 15 in his last 17 after he had to give like one five on five point in his first. 15 games or something like it was pretty ugly for him. And then the, uh, the Swedish house mafia line of, uh, Nils, Lamont, Nils Hoglander and, uh, Linus Carlson's been lighting up down there and they have some history going back to Sweden together and stuff and just completely dominating down there by the sounds of it, just generating chances at will. Um, team by all accounts is 
playing their tails off defensively for Calden. So sounds like the the message is getting through there. And you see the the farm guys like Faber and quads and stuff with the let Calton cook type stuff. Everyone seems to be feeling pretty good about what's going on down there. And you got Christian Roland and playing D on one of the league leaders and points for them. It's just uh, a lot of good things going on down there these days by the looks of it. It's uh, quite the contrast compared to the big club. Well, being that that is occurring, mm. one, do you think Colleton is the coach of the Kicks next season because of what we're seeing? Two, I think he's the intern guy this year. We'll see. But then, you know, I don't, I don't believe the Vancouver Canucks are going to let go of Bruce this season. No, I don't think. But I think if they were, he would be the intern. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I don't mean, know if he's the. I don't think he's the guy for the big club next year. If I was, you know, calling the shots, I would, with the way things have gone in Abbey so far this year, I would want to be keeping them down there with those kids as long as I can hang on to them. Well, and that's why I'm talking about like next season, because, you know, like someone like Hollander, who for all intents and purposes, wasn't working within the Bruce Brujo system. Um, and probably needed himself some development uh, with the the farm team. Like, you know, he has shown he has found a game at least at the A level that may translate to the the big club. But if you're going to see, like, let's say the Swedish Health Mafia suddenly get an opportunity in the NHL, wouldn't you want the coach that somehow figured out? the math to make that happen. I mean, uh, the rumor is it's Barry Trotz. That's mm-hmm. going to come to Vancouver, yeah. uh, which begs the question, how is that going to improve on Bruce? But Hey, the difference there Very is Very different. Coach. No, I know, but it's the, I'm going to go and I'm going to break your soul as opposed yep. to the, you know, player friendly kind of guy. The problem is not the guy behind the bench. And if you're going to bring in a coach that's no. going to break the soul of players, I hope it's so that they demand to be traded somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, get your popcorn ready for JT versus Trotz if that happens, right? When you talk about defensive responsibility and guys losing their tempers and stuff, that's a World War Three right there, potentially. But, um, yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying with the call and stuff. I just, I don't like, I wouldn't necessarily be against it if they were doing the teardown rebuild thing, right? Like, that would make sense. I mean, he's a guy with the history and development. He looks like he's doing a good job with the kids down there this year. You go in that direction. Um, but I think that's pie in the sky that they go in that direction. And we've seen, you know, he didn't have the best run in Chicago with the Blackhawks. I mean, yeah, if you're going that direction, Halton makes sense, but I just don't think they are. I think they're going big name hunting. I mean, right? You see the year of the trot stuff, and uh, I was talking before that, right? And we know Frankie loves to make a splash with the big names and stuff. So, if you're trots, would you want to I come just here? Though, don't see them going with the guy. Like, what's the selling point outside of becoming a coach again and getting paid? Yeah, I mean, that was the thing. The Winnipeg rumors, right, earlier this year, that like, why would he want to go there? Does Barry want to deal with the scrutiny of Canada and? this and that and the other things i mean if he's not going to take the job in his hometown of winnipeg on a team that's you know a lot more on the upswing right now at least in terms of the standings these days yeah i mean maybe there's history with rutherford or something somewhere but 
I mean, yeah, the Canucks are a tough sell, right? But I do think they want an established name behind that bench. I'm just looking at the uh, Abbey Canucks roster here. And obviously because, you know, the Vancouver Canucks have had to poach a <clears throat> goaltender um, or two from them over the course of the uh, the season. Uh, Jake Kupski, really enjoy his uh, photograph. Um, it looks like he's wearing civvies. <laughs> Well, Seelops is the guy down there, right? Like, he's been, he's playing real well this year. I mean, in the A numbers, never really looked that impressive, but a 263 GAA and then even 900 save percentage for Seelops, that's pretty, that's pretty solid by AHL standards for the young guy. And he's, uh, he's a very Ian Clark goalie, rangy, lanky, you know, big, lots of athleticism. That, so I think, uh, they might have something sea loves down the road there. Yeah. Well, I, and, uh, and I know I, I'm, I'm not trying to say Kowski's got it. It's just, it's, it's interesting that when you need to start to grab some additional depth that you weren't necessarily planning on requiring, um, so soon you get the guy who's in his civvies. It's like, Hey, it's picture day. Yep. Um, we don't have a uniform for you yet, but we do need your picture for your pass. So you can get in the, the building here. Oh, and you don't mind if it goes yep. on the website. Thanks. Yeah. Is it the same one as his hockey TV page? Oh, I, I don't know. Got a, a blue blazer with a burgundy. No, tie. no, this one. He's. It looks like it's oh, like a, a beige sort of like sweater over a white to white t-shirt. They just copy pasted. Yeah, no, it's um, yeah, it's it, it's an interesting look for a professional hockey player who, you know, it, it's one thing to have you oh. know whatever team's jersey you were in. Um, it's another yep. to be in civvies. So. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with him. So I don't even, is there much previous history there? It's all ECHL before this year, right? Is there his first two AHL games or with Abby? Can I yeah, I, I, I mean, so I only know his name because I happen to be on the <laughs> Abby website right now. So, yeah, not a lot of goals cool I mean, Stilov said this year has more than he's played 23 so far. He had 11 career AHL games before this year. So they're uh, just uh, rolling with what they got down there right now, given. The lack of uh, Delia down there. Yeah. Hey, did I mean I saw some discussion, and I believe it was meant to be legitimate that based on how Seelos has now been playing for Abby, that maybe he's your goaltender of the future. <laughs> I mean, they're I, they like him, right? Like they, I know he's liked in that org. They've got some belief in him and stuff. I mean, he is the goaltender of the future. Let me rephrase that. But yeah. but as in, oh, he'll be up here and he'll be fighting Thatcher for the number one spot next season. I think we're a ways away from that. Well, I mean, people right, on we, social media, they're always reasonable. Yeah. I mean, he's, I mean, it's a great story. He's, you know, stepping up to the plate here with, you know, being the guy down there. And he has to be because there is no one else. But He's uh, moving up to the billing. This turns 22 in March here, so, you know, in goalie timeline, you've got probably a couple more years before you're really hoping that he's a ready-made, you know, step into the big leagues and give you games guy. I mean, if we saw him in the lineup next year, I think that'd be at any point just, you know, as like a call-up getting games kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Either, you know, it's disastrous because everyone's hurt or, you know, he's kind of well, ahead of lost that game really. last year. Did he not? Uh, yeah, on the bench. He didn't play, right? Did he not play? He didn't. Not in the regular season, no. 
He hasn't made his NHL debut yet. I thought he had. Okay. I mean, I, I, I will take you at your word here, but... Uh, I'm looking at his hockey DB page right now. No NHL games on it. Okay. I mean, because... Yeah. Like, career, I mean, career before this year, he had 11 AHL games total. We're talking about a real, you know, in terms of the experience ladder, he's still pretty raw. And hey! Like, right now, is about putting in time for... Wasn't I, I? I don't pay attention to Abby. Wasn't Mikey DiPietro still on loan at one point, even though he got traded? That's or did, yeah. It's, I think that was reported, but I don't think it actually like happened. Because I know Mikey like, went to, to Europe and didn't have somewhere to send him. But I don't think he ever actually, you know, got into games or anything after that, or was actually part of the Abby Canucks officially. Anymore. You know, but, imagine being Mikey yeah, DiPietro. That when the Vancouver Canucks are in need of goaltending help in Utica, you don't get in the game and you don't get any action. Instead, you get to sit up in a press box as, um, because, oh, hey, we've got a goaltender on loan from somewhere else. And then because the Blues cut us a check and then you're the goaltender on loan for a team that is desperate for a goaltender because, you know, I mean, desperate yep. so much as it's Seahawks is still there, but no, you know plan B, you still don't get in. It doesn't matter what your role is. Mikey DiPietro, talk about a hand that was dealt tough. Yeah, he's definitely uh, dealt a something sandwich yeah. in terms of uh, getting an opportunity as a pro. And that means tough. By all accounts, he's just, you know, one of the good guys, right? So, yeah. hate to see it. I, I, I don't know if he would have had a much more significant impact um, as a goaltender, but as far as his career has gone from a development perspective, the Vancouver Canucks the they did him dirty. Yeah, absolutely. And it was just over saving a couple bucks, right? During the COVID stuff. Yeah. Like, he just derailed the kid. It's uh, not a great look. Yeah. Anywho, uh, anything else we need to touch on this week, or have we been uh, positive enough uh, this show? Oh, positivity is flowing through me, Mike. I can tell. I mean, that's why I got you on the show. I felt, you know, Anna and I brought it down a little <laughs> bit. We needed to to add some some levity to the the show. I mean, that's why I want to talk about Abby. Give us something good to talk about. They're playing well. They're winning games and things. There's finally some development going on in the Canucks farm team. By the sounds of it, I don't believe you. Got a that doesn't happen. Pods and Oglander managed to sneak away from call up here too. So yeah, but in fairness, they did call up the guy who had been scoring all the goals and the other PD. Yeah. Not PT, PD, but yeah. 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 So it's, and now he can't get in the lineup. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But here we are at the end of a show. Uh, thanks again for, for tapping in, uh, for, for Anna, who, again, as I let off the top of the show, uh, was so lived with Venkvenix had to go on a, a few weeks sabbatical around the world. Yeah, thanks for having oh, me. No problem. We'll have you back again when the it's next always a treat. time we need some more positive, uh, you know, conversation with the show. Yeah, I think at this point Anna's just avoiding me. Yeah. That could be. I mean, I, I don't know. She hasn't explicitly said that to me. I mean, yeah, I've mentioned your name a few times and get these odd looks, but that doesn't mean anything, does it? Yeah, I'm used to that. So. And I, there was, someone had suggested that I should, you know, get Wyatt on the show. But have you seen this guy's posture? It's a horrible <laughs> posture. I just can't have someone with that that horrible posture on the on the podcast. Uh, outside of the fact that, you know, our podcast hates their podcast. 
Is they they still making a podcast? I don't know. Actually, I mean, I don't pay. TTP's just MIA. I don't. I don't pay attention to the one podcast that we've been feuding with for forever because they know what they did. Um, so what can I say? But um, you know, we we'll be back again next week. Anna's still away. Um, I believe we're gonna have Chris Faber uh, joining the show again. Uh, he seems to join us. Uh, you, you know once uh, a year or twice a year, more often or not when Anna's not here. And I kind of feel that Anna arranges Faber in place of her thinking I need the help, which might be true. Well, and probably like is. this week, there's an upgrade next week. Well, whatever. I enjoyed this week. <laughs> I mean, could, Always could you, could you see me? Hey, Faber, uh, we're not going to talk about Canucks this week. I didn't take any pauses. Um, what are your thoughts on the state of five V five and overwatch? I don't know if he, I mean, I, I don't know what type of a gamer he <laughs> it's is. It's an upgrade. Definite upgrade. But, you know, would he get into that with me? Be carrying Wyatt in that lately, speaking of Wyatt. Wyatt's in the Overwatch? Yeah. Huh. Been playing some Overwatch 2 lately with uh, where uh, the boys like to play Resurgence, and there's no Resurgence in Warzone 2. So Interesting. Been in Overwatch break. He's a filthy diva one trick who needs a hard pocket. So. Oh. I, I know a tank yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. You guys might have a couple of things in common when it comes to how you play Overwatch. Could you imagine Overwatch 1 with him and I? I mean, you'd have to make a choice. No, the feeding would just be incredible. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I mean, with uh, our show, uh, we talked about it last week. Uh, we relaunched our supporter uh, program. Uh, it is on Buy Me a Coffee. BMAC, as we call it. Not to be confused with BMAC to Canucks fans. Barry McDonald, but BMAC, Buy Me a Coffee. Um, but with Anna and I, it's about the pints. You can join in and sign up either on an individual basis, um, where you're just like, hey, I'm going to buy you a couple of pints, or on a recurring basis, a monthly. And if you happen to commit for an entire year, um, it is essentially two months free. But um, right now, if you sign up um, before the end of the month and uh, either commit to the monthly or um, I believe it's the buy two pints, so 10 bucks, uh, you get an exclusive uh, C4 sticker. Um, I will mail it to you. I just need to make sure that you give us your address. I have put that question uh, in and uh, the one person who signed up um, said, uh, don't need to mail it to me, which is interesting. Are you not wanting said sticker? Or um, am I somehow getting it to you some other way? So, I mean, that's cool and all, but I want a sticker. But uh, stickers are but cool. yeah. Sign up, get a sticker. Go to uh, support.c4podcast.com and you can sign up, get a sticker. It's like the new logo. It's all you know, laser cut. It's very fancy. Awesome. Uh, you can find us obviously on all the social media platforms: Twitter, which probably won't be all that active because Anna's gone. Uh, we're at the C4 podcast there. And then obviously our website, c4podcast.com, but get involved in the conversation in discord at discord.io C4 podcast, where Jay will chase you away. And if you don't get chased away by Jay, you get to enjoy the winty banner, talk about food, games, prospects. The fact that Connor Bedard is only ever going to be a dream and nothing more. <laughs> Come tell me how wrong I am. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah. Any final words of wisdom for all the listeners there, Jay? Uh, this is life as a Canucks fan. Doesn't get better. You signed up for it. We're all in this together. <laughs> uh, this is true. You're in it for life. Uh, if you want to go in and uh, follow Jay on Twitter, he is 
at jhammer underscore 87. That is J, just the letter J, and then hammer underscore 87. Uh, he will follow you. You will follow him. You'll get into an argument at some point in time. One or the other will block you. That's just what happens in the cycle of J. Um, surprisingly, I have not yet blocked you. I know you try, but I don't want to give you what you want. One day. We'll get there. Don't worry, bud. But on behalf of Jay and myself, Chris at Lightforce, and the Missing in Action, but maybe listening to the show in absence, Anna Forsyth, A4 Size 03, signing off this episode of the C4 Canucks Hockey Podcast, brought to you by the Full Press Coverage Network and CanucksHockeyBlog.com with We Out. <laughs>